Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Are my levels good and all that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think I can turn you down if I want to. Okay. Ain't nobody turn me down. <laughs> the battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Got some updates on my seminars for you. I've got my two-hour uh, needle bevel theory class at the Boston Tattoo Convention, Sunday, April 29th. Registration is going pretty well for that. Uh, then I've got my full-day seminar, Sunday, May 20th, at Old Traditions Body Piercing just outside of Chicago. Uh, registration is going really great for that. I'm about halfway booked on that one. So if you're thinking about going, you might want to get your pre-registration in now before uh, space runs out. You can go to my website, precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars. That'll have all the information about the confirmed classes that I'm teaching, uh, descriptions, pricing, how to register, all that good stuff. I've had a, a few other offers for uh, for classes that I'm super interested in. In. Still trying to peg down uh, the the when for my San Francisco class. I, I don't want to make it too close to conference where people might have to decide between one or the other because I think they're probably going to choose the APP conference over my class. So I want to make sure that I'll, I'll still have a, a, a good attendance. So I don't know if it's going to be in the spring or if I'm going to push it off a little bit until maybe the fall. I think I would really like to do early June. So that's what I'm aiming for. And it, it seems like enough people are interested where I can I can make that happen. Uh, I also got a really nice offer for a seminar in the Portland, Oregon area. Really excited for that one. I've never been to the Pacific Northwest, and I would love to see Portland and the surrounding area and uh, just kind of hang out with some people that I don't really get to see other than uh, than at conference. So trying to get that worked out. And uh, if you're interested, you know, if you if you have a shop that you think would, uh, would like to host me for one of my classes, totally shoot me a message. Give me an email, ryanpba at gmail.com or, or off my website, precisionbodyarts.com. Uh, I really think I want to make uh, something of this, you know. Um, teaching classes is really fun for me, and, and I always really like to travel, so it's a, it's a win-win. As far as other travels, when you're listening to this, when this episode publishes, I'll most likely be in San Antonio, Texas for an APP Board of Directors meeting. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot of conference-related issues, um, making sure that, that all of our plans are, are gelling together for that and getting our, our army of volunteers ready to, uh, to put on the, the biggest event of the year as, as far as body piercing goes. Uh, the other day, I had to go before uh, a legislative committee in New Hampshire because there was this uh, really strange amendment basically saying if you have a license anywhere else in the country, you can come to New Hampshire and you can work without our license for up to 30 days. But um, the amendment didn't really have anything about oversight. So that means that people can just come in and do whatever they want for up to a month and, and no one would even know their name. So that doesn't really sound safe to me. Uh, they could also maybe milk the system by coming in for 29 days leaving for a day and then coming back for another 29. So there was there was nothing to prevent people from doing that. So we had to uh, go before the uh, the state legislature and, you know, make an argument in opposition to that. And it wasn't just uh, the, the body art advisory panel. You know, we were there definitely representing, but uh, also had the medical board, the electrician's board, the, uh, the realtor's board. You know, a lot of people were really disturbed by it because it wasn't just body art. It was all licensed professions in the state of New Hampshire, which is just insane if you ask me and a lot of other professionals in the state so hopefully that's going to get shot down because it's really not in the best interest of, of public health and safety in, in the state of New Hampshire my guest this week is uh, Lee Horton from Legacy Tattoo in uh, London, Ontario, Canada Lee is a body piercer, but he's also a, a really skilled laser tattoo removal technician. We talk a lot about that. Um, I always just like to learn as much as I can about different industries. You know, I'm a curious person. So uh, he, he gives me a lot of info on that. And we also kind of start off by kind of talking about his dry run of a, an APP membership walkthrough video. Uh, everyone who submits for APP membership needs to do a full walkthrough of their studio so we can see all the different areas, sterilization, the lobby, and the, the piercing areas, of course. 
and uh, he just wanted some some feedback before he officially submits it to the APP. So I looked at it, didn't really see anything like sticking out as a, as a problem. You know, I gave him a, a couple of small suggestions that you'll hear, but they're all really minor things. Uh, great shop, uh, great job uh, setting everything up there. And then we kind of you know, just, you know, talk shop, uh, talk about body piercing. So we talk about what we see is the the difference between higher end and lower end studios and uh, when they maybe try to kind of chase the higher end market and, and you know, latch on to using terms like, oh, we offer curated piercings too, you know, when, when maybe they're really not offering the same kind of service. So uh, how it might be a little bit difficult or, or frustrating to really make sure that you can fully differentiate yourself from uh, from the pack. We talk about a couple other issues, like if a, if a person comes into your shop with a problematic piercing, you know, is it in their best interest to sell them an expensive piece of jewelry? You know, maybe that's not going to be the solution to their problem. So sometimes you have to have that restraint and give them the realistic expectations of, you know, maybe it's time to abandon this piercing rather than kind of doubling down on it and spending more money on it. So uh, let's get into the conversation with Lee, and I'll be back after that. Uh, my name is Lee Horton. Uh, I work at a shop in London, Ontario, Canada called Legacy Tattoo. Uh, I do body piercing and laser tattoo removal. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Lee underscore Horton, uh, Twitter at Lee Horton 33, and as always on the internet at LegacyTattoo.ca. So how far are you from like the Toronto area for people that don't have like a necessarily great concept of Canadian geography? So London is directly in the middle of Detroit and Toronto. So it's two hours from Detroit and two hours from Toronto. Oh, cool. For whatever reason, I thought you were like more up north or something. Oh, God, no. <laughs> so first off, I, I, I just want to tell people that we tried to do an entire podcast episode uh, when we were in Montreal, but I failed miserably and I forgot to push the record button on my uh, my little unit. So sorry about that. That's fine. Or sorry. You did record. Uh, you did record the Steelworks breakfast. So I mean, that's the most important thing. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a little bit difficult for me to edit though because it's just like the ambient mics and there's all like the background noise and stuff. So I'm working on it, but it's oh, going to yeah. be a little while for me to fix all the levels on that one. But that, you know, that'll be a good uh, interview for for the people who don't know what Steelworks is. Um, it was a Canadian body jewelry company that eventually transitioned into making. Uh, dick cages basically and you know uh it's pretty cool sweet sweet dick cages all right so you have to forgive me i'm drinking some tea while we talk i've got a cold and my throat's a little sore i'll so try to forgive you sent me a video and is this basically like your your dry run before you submit it for app yeah basically um so you know i'm not on the membership committee but uh, I think as it stands right now, you already meet or exceed APP minimum standards, so I, I think you're in really good shape for it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have like I a guess couple... It's just... go yeah, ahead. go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess it's just like, I don't know if it meets or exceeds my minimum standards kind of thing, right? Well, so like, I'm going through it, and I'm like, I'm not sure if everything is okay. There's some things that I already know that I want to adjust before I even send a video in there, but mm -hmm. it's more so like, hey, what do you think of all this? Because you've created a shop from the ground up, so you got to do everything over again. Well, so what, what I try to tell people is if you wait uh, to submit for APP membership or to do your video when everything is perfect – you'll never submit a video because nothing will ever be perfect. Like even me, you know, I'm on my third studio and I got to build it from the ground up and I got to do everything I wanted to do. And now like three years later, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to touch this up. I want to improve this. I want to improve this. So it's a good mentality to be in where you never like rest on your laurels. You know, it's kind of like that whole, you know, uh, never stop learning kind of thing, you know, never stop trying to improve. Um, but I think you're in really good shape. You definitely exceed minimum standards. So, I would say get your video in now so you can get your membership and then you can always tweak stuff as you go. You know, even even if you're going to get a thumbs up on your video from the membership committee, you're still going to get a, a list of suggestions. You know, there's there's always room for improvement. Right. A lot of times it's not like this is going to keep you out of membership. You know, they'll say it, it's, it exceeds minimum standards, but here's what we would suggest that you check. And I've got a little list of a couple of things if you want to go over some of them. Yeah, sure. Awesome. They're all they're all really really small things. Um, one thing that I saw is when you got to your sterilization room, you had uh, a sign above your sink. It was probably something along the lines of like "Don't wash your hands here" or something like that. 
Um, yep. I would say laminate it, laminate it or frame it because if it's just a piece of paper, like taped to the wall, how the edges are all curled out and everything, um, yeah. you know, it's going to start falling apart, you know, when it gets wet or it gets like spray on or something. So anything that's within, you know, a couple of feet of a sink should either be in a frame or, or be laminated. Um, you know, especially something that's like a, a safety sign because you don't want it to get, uh, like damaged over time. The hilarious part about that is we were cleaning out some of the other stuff that was in the sterilization room and we found that exact sign laminated. Oh. in a cupboard well good place for it <laughs> who needs yeah, to have it great out? place for it um right? <laughs> uh other little stuff which is it's it's nice but not mandatory is um if you could get a hands-free device for your hand washing sink in your piercing area those are always great for for like years i had the same kind of sink where you'd have to basically turn it off with your paper towel after you dried your hands um but right. with my new studio i upgraded to uh these nice, I think the company is called Chicago Faucets. Uh, it's a really cool, mm-hmm. it, it's got a really nice laser beam on it, so you don't have to just like wave your hands in front of it like a goof. Um, it turns off and on really easily. On. They're, they're pricey, on. but uh, right it works really well. Yeah, my, well, I mean, that's pretty easy for me. My mom works for Delta Faucets, so I can get one of those. Don't brag. Easy. Okay. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but when I see your statum up on that, uh, kind of higher cabinet. It just makes me so nervous that, you know, if it gets bumped or something <laughs> like that, you know, a, a multi-thousand dollar sterilization unit could just get knocked off of that and, and crash down onto the mm-hmm. floor. So I would just say, you know, unless you're using your anodizer like all day, every day, I would put the anodizer where the statum is and put the statum where the anodizer is. So it's on that wider, more stable kind of space. And, you know, the, the anodizer, right. I would say, maybe just stick that up on top of the thing. Okay. I don't know. But I mean, you know, it works. I don't know. I my statum is probably like if my shop were to catch on fire, I'd probably say the first thing I would try to get out of the building is my statum. I don't know. It's just I'm I'm very protective of my statum because when I didn't have one, it just like seemed like such an unobtainable goal. Like oh my god, someday I'll have a statum. Uh, and right. now that I have it, it's just like don't touch my statum. Don't look at it. I'm just gonna clean it <laughs> and polish it and talk to it and just be sweet to it. Pet it. Pet its kneecaps. Yeah. Um, another just <laughs> tiny thing, and I don't know if this is just I didn't understand it because it was in a video walkthrough, but um, one of the cabinets in your sterilization area, you had – it looks like your general cleaning supplies, like your your mop solution and all that stuff, but you also had pure cleanse bottles in there. Um, do you mm-hmm. store, like, your skin prep in the same cabinet as, like, the, the general shop cleaning supplies? Uh, pure cleanse, I mean, we don't really use pure cleanse for piercing anymore. But that pure cleanse, the tattoo artists still use for like their wash bottles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do the same thing in my studio. I would just say move the pure cleanse into a cabinet that doesn't have like general cleaning supplies because it's garbage bags. Yeah. Well, all that stuff. Because if somebody's going in for mopping or for changing the trash or something, like that is not the area that I would want my skin prep to live in. Even if it's something that the tattooers are using just in their wash bottles or whatever, I would just stick that in one of the other cabinets with the other supplies. All right, that's pretty easy. Other than that, I, I like the the feel of your shop. You know, it's really clean. The tattoo areas are really clean, which is rare. Um, I really like that you have <laughs> the the drawing area in the back, so that customers don't see like the art process clutter. It just yeah. it, it seems like a calm and, and comfortable environment. So it, you know, good job on it. But uh, you know, there's there's really I don't see anything that would hold you back from uh, achieving APP membership. So I'd say just just get a video in. You could probably even submit that video. Although I, I don't know if they need you to narrate it to talk about like, yeah, what's they, in they, stuff. They yeah, they say uh, they need me to narrate and be like, this is the piercing room, and hey, this is a drawer. Right. So. These are gloves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, don't uh, don't be too intimidated because I, th- I think you're going to you know pass without an issue. Um, I know there is a deadline coming up. Uh, they, they cut off new membership uh, maybe like two months or so before conference because – so many people are applying lately that uh, it really bogs down the membership committee w- when they head into like the home stretch for conference. So I'm pretty sure the deadline is going to be uh, around the beginning of April. So you might want to think about getting right. your stuff in soon. Well, well, I mean, if there's nothing really else that we need to do, then yeah, no, I mean, it it looks good to me. Uh, it, you know, it just yeah. it looks like that that modern generation of shop where. Um, you know, it still has personality, but it's put together in a way where uh, everything is easy to clean, and it's just, you know, it's it's easier to work clean than to work dirty. You know, the clutter is is off in the areas where the customers aren't going to be, uh, and I, I really like that style. I, I mean, my last studio, all the tattooers had their drawing stuff like right in their tattoo station, and everything was just like a, a mess. So I really like uh, seeing those like 
clear differentiated areas between like this is an employee area and this is a customer area. And I, I think you guys did a good job with that. Thanks. Yeah, well, we worked hard on it. It took us all of two weeks to build that place. So You said hard on. <laughs> yeah, we worked hard on. Hard on. Um, so <laughs> the the... The one big thing that you have in your studio that most other most other studios don't is you have that the laser treatment room. So, um, yeah. talk talk a little bit about that because we talked about it before, but I always find it really fascinating because I don't really know much of anything about it. You know, like what are what are some of the challenges um, of like operating a, a laser business in inside of a, an existing tattoo and piercing business? The I think the major challenges are, are definitely the people who come in not not knowing if the tattoo shop tattoo removal is really the way to go over like the plastic surgeon tattoo removal. Right. Um, so that barrier is always a big thing, but that's why we all, we have the rest of the shop presented in a way where it is approachable to every single type of customer, whether it's a, a tattoo customer, a piercing customer or a tattoo removal client. Yeah. Um, that, that way it's, a, it's approachable for everybody and everybody walks in and immediately feels like, okay, like this is the place where I can be. And it's not like a, biker studio but it's also not like steel and too clinic-y or anything like that right so right. we find that it's a kind of a nice mix between those two so that's the biggest challenge that we face having tattoo removal in a tattoo studio right is just being um, able to be other, all things for all people exactly which is which is a challenge obviously with having tattoo artists there as well because they want to listen to their own music which isn't always appropriate for all clients and <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> that's just the thing that happens at every studio. So do you feel like, um, do you feel like there'd be, uh, there would be pushback if, if you or the shop owner would to say, would, would say something like, you know, it's going to be just one mix for everybody in the studio. Do you feel like tattooers just, you know, taking away some of that self-expression, do you think they would kind of push back on that? Yeah, they already have. Like we've suggested that for sure, and I mean they've definitely pushed back. It's I think it's an identity thing for them. Yeah. Uh, I know some of our some of our artists um, don't even really hear what lyrics or anything are saying. They're more focused on the actual beat of songs, and that's yeah. what they're actually listening to, and it okay. drives their art and all that kind of stuff. And I understand it, and they, for the most part, understand where I come from as well. So we kind of have this thing where it's like, okay, try to be respectable about the volume at which something extremely offensive is being played at or notice <laughs> that it's being offensive right. <laughs> and try to shuffle it to something else that you like that is less offensive. Yeah. Yeah. So don't play like ass and titties in the, uh, in the studio. Yeah, we try for sure. I've, I've kind of got the, the same dynamic in my shop. I'm just, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to like fully separate the tattoo and piercing areas. So tattooing is all upstairs. Yeah. They get to have their own music, but I, I did have to, I, I did have to kind of rein it in a little bit because I basically told them, listen to whatever you're comfortable with. Just please keep in mind that, you know, customers are going to be listening to this too, not just staff. And uh, one of the tattooers tend, tends to put on like a lot of metal, you know, and then it, it kind of, I don't know, it seemed like to progress from just like regular rock, you know, 80s kind of music that, that most everybody could kind of be okay with. And then it slowly started to progress into like black metal and death metal. And it got to the point where the other tattooers were like, hey can you please talk to this person and, and have them dial it back a little bit because it's just, it's, it's stressing me out. You know, I get that some people like a tempo, but sometimes like too much tempo is going to be way too much for the other people in the environment. Yeah. And I mean, in that, in that same vein, it's, it's hard to, to really be all that specific about what you can and can't listen to because then you turn into a mall. Right. And then you have just like, like oldies and all that kind of stuff going on. And it's just like, you want some mix, you want it to still feel like a tattoo studio. Cause that, um, that aura of personality still comes out in people's music choices, but it's, it's a hard line to draw because some people just don't know the difference between the two. Right. It's not that they don't care. It's just that they don't realize that this yeah. is affecting somebody else. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's really different because I don't know how you see yourself, but I don't see myself as an artist at all. I see myself as a, a technician or a practitioner or something like that. So I can kind of like, I can bend to what the customers need or the environment that the customers are going to feel most comfortable in. I don't really need uh, everything to, to revolve around art and inspiration and, and all that stuff. You know, like I, I like to have a comfortable environment, but I don't really need it to be, you know, all about me. You know, just, just like when I go into work, I don't wear wrestling t-shirts every day. Like when I do on my personal time, you know, I wear a nice button down shirt 
you know, I try to look nice to, so when they walk through the door, they, they feel more at ease with, you know, how I look or, you know, what they hear in the studio and things like that. But, I, you know, I get that you got to give a little bit of sugar to the artist to keep them happy because what they're doing is, is definitely <laughs> more of an, more of an art than, than what I'm offering anyhow. Yeah, totally. I mean, if it, it comes through, uh, definitely I find when the artists are going and listening to the music that they really like, whatever it is that day, because it changes from day to day, um, they seem to be more into it. They seem to be more um, talkative with their clients. And I guess if there's music playing that's offensive, but they're talking to their clients, the client's not really paying attention to the music anyway. So. Right, right. And I, I think a, a lot of tattoo clients are generally forgiving about, you know, oh, I'm in a tattoo shop. So it's like they can they can let a little bit more slide than if they were in like a shoe store. Yeah. It's just when I have an eight-year-old coming in for a pair of lobe piercings that I get a little concerned about the music. Right, right. Yeah, so in my <laughs> studio uh, downstairs, the music is basically just whatever I want it to be. So, you know, it's it's always calmer stuff. Um, we have a general shop rule where if you hear even one swear uh, on a song, you immediately skip it, um, all that stuff. But, you know, we try we always try to put on stations where there's not going to be swearing. You know, I don't really like to have anything aggressive sounding, usually it's not going to be rock or metal or hip-hop or anything like that. You know, it's usually going to be more middle-of-the-road stuff, um, like wallpaper music is what we usually call it, where people feel comfortable. Um, but, you know, we'll listen to stuff like, we'll listen to a James Brown station or we'll listen to like a Madonna station, you know, and I, I wouldn't really necessarily knock oldies because I myself am a golden oldie. But, uh, you know, I, I just like p music that people can groove to, you know, because when people are kind of shaking their hips and, and bobbing their head a little bit, they're they're just going to be having a little bit more fun. So uh, that was a big thing for me, you know, for a long time. It was just like, well, I like Viking metal, so that's what we're going to listen to all day. And then I realized that it's like, well, you know, that's not what they want to listen to. And they're the ones paying my bills. So, you know, Madonna or... Like the uh, there's like a TLC station that like my counter staff is loving lately and all kinds of stuff. So no Steel Panther then. Uh no Steel Panther would that would be fine for the tattoo floor, but I don't think I'd want like community property coming on like while I was in the middle of the piercing. Aye, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can argue with that. Right. So at, at this point in your career, do you feel like you are a, a piercer who also does laser services, or do you feel like a laser technician that also pierces? That is a great question. I thought um, so. <laughs> I honestly, I have no idea how to answer that question. I am very passionate about both of them. Um, I would say that they both have their pros and cons. Um, I find, I think, at this point, only because I've been doing uh, laser tattoo removal a little less, like. Like not as long as I've been piercing, it's a little more interesting to for that, uh, just because I guess it's newer. How long, um, how long have you been doing both? Uh, I've been piercing for about I'd say I've been piercing since 2010, so eight years, um, and then I've been doing. We've had the laser at the shop for five or six years, so I mean it's not a, a giant difference between the two, um, but the more the more and more I learn about. Uh, piercing, the more I want to learn about tattoo removal, and there's not like an APP for tattoo removal kind right. of thing, right? Well, not yet. So, like the knowledge, the knowledge that exactly the knowledge that I can absorb for piercing is there and ready for me to absorb. Where with tattoo removal, I really have to like scout and search, and it's it's pretty buried because most of the the information you get out there is directly from the manufacturers of the lasers, so it's kind of skewed data because they're trying to sell something, right? Um, so like, this is the best machine ever, but this is the best machine ever. But then this one is now the best machine ever. Right, it's hard right. to differentiate between all those things and, and be able to do them because all of their before and after pictures look about the same. Yeah. It's a crappy tattoo that looks like it would be easy to remove with any machine and in six sessions it's gone. So, I mean, that's, it's hard to be like, Oh, that one's better because it's in fewer sessions. It's the right. exact same number of sessions. It looks like the exact same crappy tattoo that's been removed. It kind of reminds me of when, um, like every now and then at conference, like a jewelry vendor will be the one teaching the class, and then you walk out of the class being like, "Man, I'm just going to go buy so much of their jewelry." That's probably what some of your <laughs> laser classes are like too, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've been to like uh, like the laser conferences, the ASLMF, uh, American Society of Laser Surgeries and Medicine. 
medicines and surgeries. Um, I've been to their conferences in Boston before. Um, and honestly, I didn't, I couldn't really take much away from it that I hadn't already learned in school. But I guess that's the point is it's an unregulated industry and, and not everybody has to go to school for it. Yeah. Um, the, the knowledge that I have is already a little greater than some people just getting a machine, having the person that sold it to them, teach them for four hours and then going at people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I wish I could get into it. You know, I, I looked into it years ago, but in New Hampshire, it has to be uh, like medical or, or medical supervised or something like that. And it's just not, I don't really want to open that can of worms in my studio, but uh, I thought about it. I think it would be a, a, a great growth industry because um, I don't know how you feel, but I, I think an awesome service is just to offer tattoo lightening for, for easier cover-ups, you know, rather than removal, because mm -hmm. I think, you know, some tattoos are probably just not, it's not realistic to say we can 100% remove this. Um, right. Yeah. Nobody should ever be promising 100% clearance on anything. Yeah. So Even if it looks like the easiest tattoo to remove, like, amateur tattoos are always, like, easy to remove or completely impossible to remove. There's not a lot of middle ground. Okay. So you can't look at an amateur tattoo and be like, that's going to be easy to remove because a, there's no regulation on ink and there's especially no regulation on amateur ink tattoos. So I don't know what that ink is and I don't know how well it's going to break down. Right. So do you feel like the, the big factor in, in laser tattoo removal is the ink or is it how the tattoo is done? Like depth or scarring? Like how, how like how much are those factors? There's so many variables in, in how a tattoo comes out. Uh, ink density, uh, scarring, what the ink is made out of, the person's own immune system, if they smoke, if they drink, so much stuff. If they exercise, if they're overweight, if they have diabetes, all that kind of stuff factors into how well a tattoo comes out, how fast it comes out, um, how easily or how fast it will fade so they can get it covered with something else. So it's, I can never, someone can never come in and I can go, that tattoo is going to take four sessions or that tattoo, tattoo is going to take two sessions. Right. It's always going to be like, we'll work on this. I'll tell you, we can count backwards when the tattoo is done. And then I can tell you how many sessions. it took. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm starting to notice a trend where like some of the, the best conversations I have with people about laser tattoo removal are with nerd piercers who get into laser tattoo removal. Like I've talked to, laser technicians and they're like oh yeah no problem couple sessions and this and that but then you talk to someone like you or like misty or like alan faulkner or something you know and it's like well density and you know chemical composition and da 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 and it's just like oh wow that's so cool i just i, I like getting the nerd info rather than like the sales pitch like business card info yeah and i think um a lot of that has to do with with our with our industry in, in piercing, especially like most of those people that you met, mentioned, Missy and Alan, they have a background in piercing as well or body modification. And um, a lot of that industry has evolved into being super honest with clients about yeah. what to expect from a piercing and what piercing can do and what it can't do. And, and yeah, you might even with the best tools, the best methods, the best person, the best needles, the best jewelry, you still might have problems with the piercing. Same thing with tattooing or uh, tattoo removal, right? Like even if I use a $200 million machine on you and everything is perfect and it removes all colors, there's still going to be something that is causing the tattoo to be stubborn to remove. Right. Uh, so I think that's the honesty where it's plastic surgeons, medical offices, all that kind of stuff. They, uh, a lot of it is, I mean, they rely on sales, salesmanship, yeah. right? I think a lot of it comes. I think a lot of it is related to that they don't really have any sort of uh, investment or care in what the original process is. Like if they're not a tattoo person, they don't care about you know. There's different inks and it's you know it's done with different qualities. They think like a tattoo is a tattoo, and now yeah. what can I do to make some money off of you not wanting it anymore? And it's the same thing I see when plastic surgeons do earlobe reconstructions. They don't understand that it was this, you know, 18 gauge piercing that was slowly stretched over time or it was maybe stretched poorly and then there's scar tissue or, you know, to, to tell the people to take their jewelry out for a couple of weeks or a couple of months before they get them reconstructed so that, you know, the skin can relax and blood flow can come back in and all that stuff, you know, so it's the same kind of thing mm -hmm. with both of those, you know, they don't really care about the outcome because they don't really care about the the source of it and the original thing that you that you want to work with you know they just see it as like 
here's like a medical problem, medical solution. What can I charge you for it? And, and that's it. Not 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 all doctors, I'm sure. I'm sure there are some that are lovely no. and really caring and know a ton. But uh, I've just seen too many where it's just like it's just revenue for them. It's just revenue. It's not really results. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of it's also like they've had a rep from a company, a laser company, come in and sell them all sorts of ideas, right? Like they might not know a single thing about tattoos, but somebody has come in and be like, hey, you can, this this is the growth of tattoos and this is how many people regret getting tattoos. And this is the kind of customer base you can expect to see and all the, the money that you can charge them and this is I, like we promise we can get rid of any tattoo in this amount of sessions, which is complete bullshit. You can't ever, ever blanket statement. Every tattoo can be removed in this right. many. Like the session numbers that I give are very wide. Like I'll say it can take six to 10 sessions for 70 to 90 percent reduction in the appearance of the tattoo. Yeah, that's what I say. And that's an average tattoo on an average person with average health and an average location on the body. There's so many variables. That tattoo moves to their foot, it changes dramatically. It moves to their neck, it fades faster. So, I mean, it's really, it's impossible for a representative from any laser company just because, I mean, that's their job is to sell that laser. And to sell that laser, you have to sell kind of a dream about the best thing that it could possibly do, right? Um, And it's not the... It's not the practitioner's fault, really. Yeah. But I mean, after after so many failed attempts to remove a tattoo and you having, because I've seen tattoos, people have come to me after they've been to a plastic surgeon to try to remove their tattoo and that place has promised them a number of sessions and they get to that number of sessions and it's not moving. And then they start cranking um, like energies at the tattoo uh, and yeah. busting people in apart with lasers because they're just frustrated and they're trying to get it out, which you can't. You can't fast forward the tattoo removal process. It yeah. takes time. And when you try to blow it out of somebody's skin, you literally blow it outwards yeah. through the top of the skin. I remember uh, one of the first people I ever saw that had some laser tattoo removal was Rachel Lorette. And she had ones that were just re- exactly what you're describing. They just cranked it up and they just vaporized her skin, really. You know, So yeah. she had a, a scar in the shape of the tattoo that she got removed because it just like it, it vaporized her skin. Which I mean, they're coming for you and your uh, scarification. So yeah, you back off. That's my money. <laughs> so, as as a body piercer, um, what do you what do you see as some of the trends that you're you're liking in the industry lately, or any or on the opposite side, any sort of trends that you're not liking? You know, whether it's fad piercings or like you know whatever jewelry's hot in your area right now, or what you see on social media. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you liking or not liking as a piercer? Um. I'm sure everybody has got their own opinion on the piercing curation situation that's happening. Right. Um, For the most part, I just figured that piercing curation was just what we have been doing for the longest time. Yeah, I know, right? It's just like, but but they were smart enough to put a a marketing name on it, which is great. Yeah, I guess. Like a catchy name to it, for sure. Um, But I just curated, I don't know. It's just, it, that thing, it kind of bugs me a little bit because it seems like somebody is trying to force something out of an industry that it was already providing that. Yeah. Like they're saying that I'm, I'm better than these piercers because I'm a piercing curator, but yeah. really those piercers are doing the exact same thing. So I don't, that's something, I mean, somebody comes in and wants curated piercings. I mean, I will curate them all day long for <laughs> sure until the sun comes up, but I have also just been doing that since they like they've come in and, and show me a picture of something they want. And I'll be like, well, your ear is not that ear. I can't really do that to your ear. So let's find something else that we can do. That's cool. Right. And then we bring up all sorts of ideas that they need, didn't even know existed or thought of. And they're like, this is awesome. This is better than the idea I came in with. So, I mean, that is what curation is, but I'm not going to go out there and have like a Google ad on piercing curation, which I suppose I could, but I mean, that's probably just me being stubborn about the whole don't call it that type situation. Don't do that to my my industry. How dare you? It it does feel a little bit pretentious to market it that way. You know, like, you know, I I am giving you this specific procedure, you know, or or this specific experience. But on the flip side, like 
it's great though that you can you can get customers who who didn't know that that was a thing. You know, if they don't walk into Legacy or if they don't walk into Precision or they don't walk into Thrive or or wherever Saint Sabrina's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the shops that are going to give that service every single time, if they don't know that that exists, if they just go into like Joe Schmo Inc. And they want to get a piercing, you know, and they, they never see jewelry choices or they never see a portfolio of options. And, you know, some, some people might just not know. And I think it's great for them. But I think when it when it comes to uh, piercers who are, who are kind of already offering that, it does come off as a little bit cheesy. But I'm totally fine making money off cheesy. Like I've been doing it for years, you know, like <laughs> every every trend that comes around, you know, I always try to adapt my studio to 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 capitalize on it as much as possible you know the triple forward helix craze and then like the goth craze and and you know whatever the next thing is you know as as soon as it breaks on the internet i'm i'm gonna be ordering jewelry for it and you know publishing stuff on social media to to get those people in so curated piercings i i do i do think it's corny but uh you know i i think it's i think it's overall good you know it 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 just kind of shares what we what we do as a as a service but it's kind of like in the 90s when people were like you know, uh, individually sterilized needles. And like, they would put that on like business <laughs> cards or ads and stuff like that. Yeah. And all these other piercers who are doing that were like, well, yeah, you know, but it was just like, <laughs> but that people are marketing it, you know? So I think it's yeah. just part of the territory, but, uh, I, I like making money. So when, when customers come in and they already have that idea of like, oh, you know, you can tell me these cool options and jewelry and you know i'm gonna get all these diamonds and stuff it's just like yes yes come in i'm gonna be here from 12 to 8 yeah but i mean the the biggest thing that concerns me about the whole piercing curation thing is now what stops the shitty shops from advertising that they curate piercing right and now what stops them from skewing the image of a professional piercer even further because they have one more tool to do it yeah yeah i mean i i get that on one side but that's that's always there, no matter what. You know, like the, the sure. really big thing with that was, um, you know, five or ten years ago, when high quality jewelry went from just like, well, yeah, I'm using internally threaded, and then there was that huge explosion of like, I want a hundred different options of gold, and I want this and that, and you know, throwing around the names, you know, anatom metal and industrial strength, and neo metal, body vision, all that stuff, and then all the all the low end shops started just latching on to that. And then they were starting to advertise like, oh, we use all anatom metal. We just use it terribly, you know? So I think that's yeah. <laughs> always going to be a constant race between like the top of the market and the people that are trying to like, I don't know, leech off of it a little bit. You know, they're, they're trying to just copy the things that good quality shops are doing without really understanding how or why they're doing them, you know? So there's always going to be some shop that's going to say like, you know, oh, we have all these fancy options or we offer curated piercings or, you know, statum sterilization or freehand or disposable, but like they don't know what they're doing, you know? So I think that that's yeah. always going to be there. But a, a, a big part of what I do is I just, I never try to compete with any of that. I don't even pay attention to who someone else might call a competitor. I don't pay attention to what's going on in the shop down the street on the other side of the state, an hour away, five minutes away. Like, I don't care. Like, I want them to have to compete with me. I want to put out what I put out and just make make it such a good experience for my clients that they never want to go somewhere else. So I don't even see that that as a threat. I see it as an annoyance for sure, but I don't see it as a threat. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, we've experienced that with, uh, as you say, the shop down the street or whatever. Um, but it's, it's always been like since we started pushing the envelope in London and being the first studio to do that with piercing, um, it was hilarious to be like, we got some uh, internally threaded jewelry, so they got some internally threaded jewelry. We got an anodizer, so they got an anodizer. Right. We did this, so they did that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, they're still doing initial piercings with externally threaded jewelry because they just can't bring themselves to move away from it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not sure why. Um, I'm sure they know. And what I always say when people come in and they're like, well, why do you do things this way and they do things that way? And I'm always, I just, I, we try to always say the same thing was just like, I don't know why they do things the way they do there. The only thing that I have control over is how I do things at this shop. Right. And this is why I do things this way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good way to do it because, uh, when I was younger and I was a little bit more like snide in my explanations with customers, people would come in and they'd say like, Oh no, I want, X, Y, or Z. And I'd be like, okay, cool. That'll be, 
you know, however much, 75 bucks, 100 bucks. And then they would look at me and they'd be like, well, this shop down the street will do the same thing for 35 bucks. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They'll do something for 35 bucks, but it is not the same thing, you know? And then, right. then I would give them the show off and I'd be like, look at my sterilization area and look at my <laughs> certificates and look at my, and I was like, and then just ask if, if they have that. And when they say no, realize that that's why I'm 75 and they're 35, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, but I mean, same thing with me. Like when I started expanding jewelry, then it was like, okay, shop down the street. Now they have some neo metal, and then shop over here. Now they're carrying some anatomy metal, and it's like they're they're getting it just because they see the name and they want to like coast on that name recognition. But they don't they don't know, you know, they don't know like what's mm-hmm. the, the cool trend or how to customize it or color combinations, all that stuff. Like it's still it's always going to be just a generic thing. They're just pulling a card out of a deck. They don't understand how to like shuffle it the right way, you know? Yeah. They, they don't know how to curate properly. Yeah. They don't know how to curate properly. They can call it whatever they want, <laughs> but if they don't know how to like give that service, I think customers are going to catch on, you know, maybe not a hundred percent of customers, but customers are going to catch on. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we've had clients that have come to us and then been like, this experience is so much better. And then maybe on one of the days we been closed they've had to go back to a, a different shop and they come back to us being like okay never again oh, I, I have learned that. now the difference I've learned now the difference between the two like before I knew that this was better but now I really know like why it's different and it comes down to more than the brand names of the jewelry that we carry right it's the service it's the experience oh, it's yeah. the knowledge all that that go into creating an environment that people feel comfortable coming back to yeah 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 and that's but- the thing I don't I don't want that one $30 piercing client. I want every single one of their piercings, every single one of them. I want them to come back for not only because obviously I want to be profitable off of that, but I also want to know that that person felt that the experience was so good that they will come back to me for anything that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Part of, part of my routine when I talk to people, um, you know, if they have existing piercings is I'll just be like, Oh, you know, where'd you get that done? And I, I always love, I have a, I have a bad memory just before I say this, but uh, I always love it when clients are like, oh, you did all of my piercings. I would never go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. But, uh, we're closed on Sundays at my studio. So all the time yep. we get people that are like, well, I know I really wanted to get it, but you were closed on Sunday. So I, I went here and I learned my, le-. you know, but they always say it like that. They're never like, oh yeah, I went here and it was yeah. a great experience. It's always like. Yeah. yeah, Sunday, da, 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 da. You know, it's like, well, now you know for next time, you know, that's that's why we, we do certain things. But maybe people had a great experience and they're just not going to come back to you because they had a great experience at the other place. You know what? I, I know my <laughs> competitors to the point where if, if a client would rather go to them than go to me, then they are not meant to be my client anyhow, basically. There you go. Uh, they're Like my, my main... Uh, headaches. Like I don't mind when a when a tattoo shop does piercing because usually they'll try to employ a piercer. You know, so sometimes they'll have somebody good in there. Sometimes they'll have somebody maybe not so good. But you know, at least they have the the opportunity for some piercers to to get hired in a studio. You know, the the real headaches right. are the shops that just don't even care to hire a piercer and they just say like you know oh you know, you who's working counter or you who's like selling earrings, you're just going to start piercing and like, you know, no training, no anything. We're going to maybe like fudge your paperwork and just get you a license. Like that's what I, that's what I have to deal with really. And, And that's, that's where the biggest headaches come from. Like there might be little aesthetic things from other shops. Like, well, I don't really, I'm not crazy about that placement or maybe they use too big or too small a piece of jewelry or something like that. But you know, they're, they're, they're little things, you know, they're learning experience things, but then the other shops, that's just like, oh my god, I can't believe they just grabbed that piece of anatomy with a clamp and shoved a needle through it. Like, that's not even where the piercing's supposed to be. Like, doths, like, oh my, oh my god, I've been seeing some, like, conch surface piercings, basically, is what I've been seeing, and it's terrible. Perfect. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, I mean, at least whatever. you, at, at least you down in, in, in America, I mean, you, at least some of the the states or whatever, at least they have licenses or, or paperwork or all that kind of stuff you have to fill out. Yeah. Because here it's just like, uh, one of our piercers can't work today and I'm the manager. So now I'm a piercer. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that happens sometimes here too, you know, it's, uh, but you know, a, 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 an important thing to remember is there would be no top of the market without a bottom of the market. So, you know, that is fair. What if every single shop out there was APP member, 
gold, internal threads, statum, freehand, sterile glove. You know, what if every shop was like that? You know, how hard would it be to differentiate yourself? I I actually kind of like that it's just, it's so night and day different that it just makes me feel very validated as to like, okay, I know I'm doing stuff right. Even if I feel like maybe I had a bad day and or maybe something didn't come out 100% how I wanted it to, all I have to do is think mm-hmm. about those places. And I'm like, oh, I feel so much better about myself. <laughs> See, I don't know. I think, um, I think it would be nice if more studios were obviously at the same level or there wasn't a bottom of the market because at least then you're not dealing with everybody coming in and expecting jewelry to cost $5 or yeah. expecting a piercing to be super cheap or anything like that. At least then there's a level playing field uh, of pricing structure. And the only thing that you're really offering them is better service. And it's easy to offer someone better service, especially in an industry where it is notoriously shitty to customers yeah. all the time, like I, acting like they are scum or they don't have time for them or all that kind of stuff. All you need to do in this industry to be better than the person down the street is fucking smile at your customer. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, this guy is the best piercer I've ever had in my entire life. And you might pierce the nose on like a 78 degree angle, but you fucking smiled at them when they came in. So you're better. You're you're just you're getting really worked up. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It's so it's especially in this city where it seems that every single shop that a client walks into uh, immediately they're treated like scum. Yeah. Which yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. This is a service industry. You're supposed to be nice to people when they come in. That's like that's paying your bills. That's putting a roof over my head and clothes on my back. So thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Let's be nice to you today. I think a lot of it is is personal maturity. You know, because I, I wouldn't say that I was ever that kind of rude to people. But through my through my twenties, like you know my. 21 to 25 era of Ryan, you know, I was, I was a dick, you know, people would, people would refer to me as the rude guy, you know, like I had a reputation for just being very short with people. I would cut people off like mid sentence and, you know, I, I would do that whole like, well, you know, this is what I'm, <laughs> you know, I was one of those people, you know, um, you were a well actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I was like mansplaining basically, but you know, a little bit more <laughs> aggressively, you know, but uh, right. now, you know, as as I've gotten older and I, I realize that, you know, it's you have to have the customer service voice, you know, like even if that's not you, you know, even when people aren't naturally like that and they are, you know, a little bit quicker to 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 cuss or to to make jokes or or whatever, you know, sometimes you need to dial it back and realize that you need to have that. Oh, yeah, totally. You know what I can do for you is this. And have you ever thought about, you know, and I'm not just like. You know, Uh, and it's made a it's made a huge difference for me, and I've seen it in my clientele. You know, then it went from people who would come in like you know whacking that pack of cigarettes on the countertop, wearing a hoodie, and and wearing slip flops with socks. You know, my my customer generation. How dare they? How dare they? Well, well, okay, all right. I'm not going to disparage people (laughs) that wear flip flops and socks, but the kind of people that would come in and want like you know a, a, a tongue piercing with like a acrylic ball that had a pot leaf on it or they'd want their eyebrow pierced with spikes or you know i'm not gonna say that that's bad but you know that type of clientele kind of sounds like you're saying it's bad it it sounds like you're saying it's bad shut up you're just canadian so no but like those (laughs) those customers would come in you know and that because that was the environment that i made you know and again i had metal music playing and i had like you know just random posters all over the wall and it was like you know it was a place for uh giant teenagers to, to work and to shop, you know, and now, uh, I, I look at myself as a, as an adult professional and that's who I try to cater to adult professionals, you know, not exclusively. I I'd like anyone to feel comfortable coming in, but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a hard lesson is like, you have to, you have to appreciate every client that walks through the door, you know, um, because Mm. they, they could have gone anywhere else, you know, they didn't have to go to you. They chose your door. So, you know, make them not regret it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's the whole thing where you say you're catering to catering to an, an adult uh, clientele, which is super important to do because those adults will probably have kids and those kids will be brought into your shop as well. Because as soon as they go, hey, I want a nose piercing or I want my ears pierced, they're like, OK, you're not going anywhere but this place. Yeah, yeah. I, ha- we can ha- do this, but you're not allowed to go anywhere but this place. Have you been piercing a, a lot of like younger kids? Do you pierce younger kids? Like uh, We start at age. Age eight for earlobe. Age eight. Okay. Have you been seeing a, a big upswing in that? Oh yeah, all yeah. the time. 
Yeah, I've been seeing it. See, for me, it wasn't it wasn't a big thing until maybe two two ish years ago. You know, uh, I would be open to it, but I didn't really like cater to it. You know, uh, but now I, I get that same thing. It's it's the uh, adult professionals who I've educated as a client through piercing and tattooing, and now they're they're bringing their kids in. And it's it's that same thing. It's I would never dream of taking them to the the mall and getting it done with a gun or taking them to this place or that place or whatever. So it's cool. You know, it's it's validating knowing that the the work I put into presentation has paid off because it's it's really given me a different caliber of client. You know, and I, I again, I don't want to sound like an asshole because I'm saying certain clients aren't uh, desirable, but it's it's kind of true. You know, if, if you have people walking through the door who only want to spend $35, it's it's not so much that I don't want to service them, it's that I can't give them what they want. I, I'm not, I'm not yeah. willing to lower my standards yeah. to give them a cheap piercing. I don't have to necessarily pierce everybody with gold, but like if, you're, if your basement is lower than 65, 70 bucks, I'm sorry, but I, I just can't, I can't figure out how to do my quality of piercing for less than that, really, you know? Right. Right, and that's American prices too, right? So I mean, so that's even what, like here, six thousand dollars Canadian. Yeah, it's about twenty-eight thousand dollars for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's nice. To, I mean, going back to the conversation where you were saying there needs to be a, a, a bottom of our industry somewhere so we can measure ourselves against it. It's also just like it's nice for that bottom to be there because that's where those clients will ultimately end up. And if that's what they want, then that's what they want. If they're happy with that service and everything heals and, and that's all they want to get out of it, then thank cool, more power to them. That's the, that's the drive and where they want to go. Usually what happens is those people will spend a couple of years doing that and then be like, Hey, I'm going to try the nicer shops now. Yeah. Like I've grown out of this kind of thing. I'm going to go try the, the nicer shops that I've heard so much about and that I couldn't really afford when I was younger, but I'm going to go to them now. Um, and in the conversation about not uh, parents saying they don't want to take um, their kids to the mall and get their ears pierced anymore. I mean, I had someone come in, um, I think it was yesterday, might be, uh, but they came in to, they brought their daughter in to get her ears re-pierced because they had brought her to the mall and gotten them pierced and they had had a whole bunch of issues with it. Um, and the, the mother just seemed like so apologetic the entire time. Like, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to go get it pierced with guns. Like, I feel like such a, such a fool. Like I feel so dumb for going there. It's my fault. And, and I, I just kept saying like, listen, it's not your fault that you put your trust in somebody that called themselves a piercer. Somebody put piercing on a sign and you went up to that sign and went, cool, it says this. So these are professionals and that's not your fault. That's that person's fault. And the non-regulation of our industry's fault for fooling you into believing that just because somebody can afford to put piercing on a sign, it means that they know how to pierce properly. Right, right. I, I see that a lot, you know, unfortunately, you know, and people come in and they, they do have that guilt of like, oh, I, I never knew. And it's like, well, it's not necessarily your fault. It's it's a lack of professionalism from where you went because they didn't take the time to educate you or, or they didn't take the time to make sure that they were offering you the right level of service. So uh, it's, it's the people that go to a high quality shop and, and know better. And then they, then they do that. Those are the ones where it's like, well, yeah, you know, buyer beware, get what you pay for kind of thing. But, uh, same thing. Like when people come in, I don't know if you get this, but I get this pretty often lately. People come in and they're like, uh, I want to get such and such pierced, but I tried to get this other thing and it could just never heal. And it was just always angry and irritated. And I just can't heal that, that kind of piercing. And I'm like, okay, all right. I don't want you to ever think that it's impossible for you to heal a piercing. Just keep in mind that, you know, if you're pierced with low quality jewelry or bad angles or you were told the wrong aftercare or whatever, those are the things that made your piercing fail. It's not you. So, you know, don't don't feel like you can't get a, a good quality piercing. You just have to, you know, be set up for success. Exactly. Setting someone up for success. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, but I, like I was talking about before, like even if you try to do the best that you can, sometimes piercings just can't heal. And that's why I'm always honest with clients about that sort of thing. So it's never like a I'm selling them snake oil type situation where it's like this magic piece of jewelry is all of a sudden going to fix your shitty piercing that you got down the street. I, I always tell that to people. I was like, people come in and they're like, I got this done. It's low quality. It's poor jewelry. And that's why my, my piercing's acting up. I just, I know I found out that you guys carry quality jewelry. So I want to get it switched out. And I look at the piercing and it's on the craziest angle that I've ever seen in my life. And I just have to be like, listen, 
obviously we are a business and we make money from selling things, but I can't in good conscience sell you anything because that's not going to fix your problem. Right. At that point, we're treating a symptom and not the problem. The problem is your piercing's completely messed up and is not performed properly, and no piece of jewelry I put in there is going to help at this yeah, point. That's, no, that, that's great. That's something I don't think I've ever mentioned on the show before, so that's a great subject to bring up, but I get that a lot too. You know, People come in and something is just – it's unhealthy to the point where it, it doesn't matter if I'm putting in a $5 or $500 piece of jewelry or I'm selling you aftercare exactly. or, or whatever. It's like – uh, a lot of times I'll just yeah. tell people, honestly, like, look, you know, let me just pull the piercing for you, um, keep the jewelry or toss the jewelry out, whatever, but, you know, it's going to have to get re-pierced or maybe we'll we'll pierce in a, a slightly different location. But, yeah, there, there there's definitely a point of no return for some piercings. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I used to see it a lot when the triple forward helix thing uh, came out because <laughs> people would totally blow the angles or, you know, just yeah. really botch it in some terrible way. And they'd come in being like, oh, well, you know, if I give you – a uh, hundred bucks where you put in, you know, these three little neo metal pieces and, and whatever. And I'll be like, well, no, because like the mm-hmm. angles are totally blown and I can, I, you can double down on it and you can try to spend more money on this mistake, but it's not going to fix it. Like yeah. they're never going to look like you, like that Pinterest picture, you know, like this, like, you know, yeah. it, it, they, it's just all wrong, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, but that, that's a part of honesty, you know? And I, and I would hope that people listening mm-hmm. to this show would, would, would already have that kind of mentality, you know, sometimes it's on the fence and I'll be like, okay, maybe a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller, you know, let's do that and not like some crazy expensive end piece. But, uh, yeah, right. I mean, don't let, don't give people the false hope. Uh, same thing. Like when you, when you talked about the laser tattoo removal, you know, like you're not telling people this will guaranteed be gone in four or five sessions, just like you're probably not telling people guaranteed this piece of jewelry is going to fix your, your piercing that you got somewhere else. That's not doing good. You know, like you have to give people realistic expectations. There's only so much you can do with just one factor. You know, there are multiple factors that go into success. You know, it's how it was done and the angle and the experience level of the person. And you know, if the, if it was overly traumatized or if you were putting the the wrong kind of chemical on it to clean it and you were, you're building up scar tissue, you know, some of that stuff just can't be fixed with a, a, you know, a a sea salt soak or some, some new jewelry. (laughs) That's true. I mean, the jewelry that we use is wonderful and it's amazing and it's, it's industry tops and whatever platinum standard, but it's not fucking magic. Right. I wish it you was. can't put, yeah, yeah, we all do, but I mean, I can't put uh, a new barbell and do a conch piercing that's on a 45 degree angle and it'll magically straighten out. Yeah. Yeah. It's always going to be on that angle. There's nothing that I can do about that angle besides pull the piercing, let it heal and maybe look at re-piercing the area in a few months. Yeah, and then send uh, send a bag of poop to whatever shop did it. Exactly. Not the gummy, not the gummy bear dicks. Cause that's too nice. Right. Did I, did I ever tell you that I got <laughs> glitter bombed once and I, I never knew who did it? Glitter bombed. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever seen those? Puppy. Yeah, I have. I've seen them. That yeah. Blow kind of. Thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I got it and it opened up and it exploded like all over me and all over this like one area where I actually had carpeting and it was like, oh yeah, okay, you got me. Do you think it was Todd? Oh man, I don't know. But whoever it was, <laughs> kudos, you got me. You got him. So, uh, anything else you wanna you wanna talk on the show? We're at close to an hour so far. No, I mean we can talk about whatever you want if you want to know more about uh, tattoo removal and stuff. But I think we touched on on a lot of it. Well, just, so just quick-ish, um, what would you what advice would you give people if they were looking for a, a laser technician? A laser technician, Ooh, good, good question. Um. Usually the biggest, biggest thing I always tell people to look for is a portfolio. Yeah. Because for some reason, technicians feel they don't need to carry a portfolio because they have the before and after pictures from the company, like those crappy ones that I was talking about earlier. Right. Where it's like, yeah, anybody could probably remove that tattoo, right? Like I could probably bake that in the sun for two days and it'd be gone. So why are you using that as an example? Um, But especially... And when you're looking at someone's portfolio, look for like the area that you are getting removed from. So say you're getting something on your upper arm, look for results from an upper arm that are similar to the density of your tattoo. If you want to look for something comparable and, and kind of the honest feedback of what can be done. But even then, sometimes it'll look exactly the same as the picture and you'll be like, cool, it, this one took four sessions and it looked pretty faded at four sessions. That's awesome. That's all it's going to take me. And then six sessions in and you're still almost just getting close to that. So right, right. It's all it's all difficult. Um, 
look for someone with a quality piece of machinery. So uh, usually the biggest thing I tell people to look for is an armature bar. Not a lot of great machines have like the hose and gun type situation going on. I've seen people remove tattoos wonderfully with machines that are like that, but I see better results from people that have machines that have giant like metal armature bars sticking out of the top. Okay. Yeah, I didn't didn't know that at all. I I feel like uh, whenever I see like gimmicky tattoo removal ads, it's it just like you said, it's always the same before and after pictures where it's like it's a crap little tiny tattoo that somebody probably got at a party when they were drunk. And then it'll be a picture of like completely bare skin like no scarring no mark no nothing and it's like bullshit you know like even just that tattoo itself would have caused some scarring let alone the removal exactly yeah yeah and i feel like they're always photoshopped or faked or something yeah we're like the after picture is like super blurry for some reason right it's like it's like the before picture is like super clear and then the after picture is of some skin but very very blurry yeah, if people, uh, if people the, know what they're doing and people have good results, chances are they're going to have a decent quality picture of those results to show them off. If people only have – it's just like a piercing. If people – if like a piercer's Instagram or business card or website is full of like crappy little tiny pictures, it's like, well, why why would I go to you? Like you, know, you can't show me that you can that you can perform excellence. You're just showing me that you can perform mediocrity. Yeah. You're showing me that you are able to post a picture online. Right. That's about it. Um, but the the point you brought up about um, not being able to see any scarring or all that kind of stuff, I mean, what I always explain to all my full removal clients, because I mean, I do have a lot more clients that come in just to get their tattooed lightened than they do for full removal. But all of my full removal clients at the very beginning, I always say, listen, I can't give you back the skin you had before you got tattooed. Right. Right. Like that skin's gone. That skin was torn up by a needle attached to a magnet or a rotary piece of machinery, right? There probably is going to be, even if we clear all the sink out of there, there probably is still going to be some reminder that you had something done there. Yeah. It will probably only be a reminder to you. No one else will notice it except for maybe a scar, and people have little tiny scars all over their body all the time. But it all depends on how the tattoo looks beforehand. Laser generally, when done properly, doesn't add scarring. To the area, but it also can't really effectively remove scarring that's already there. Yeah, yeah. That's a completely different type of laser that does that. Well, uh, yeah, you know more than me. I'll admit it. It's fine. <laughs> I won uh, something. I you won. won. Something. You won. <laughs> you know more about poutine than me, too, probably, because you're Canadian. That's, that's doubtful. I mean, I'm southwestern Ontario Canadian, so I'm almost an American at this point. That's a good point. Yeah. So, do you ever do you? How often do you go to those conferences? You were saying was in Boston. How often do they have those, or how often do you go? They have them every year. Uh, I've been to one. I should go again, but they keep moving. The okay. one was in Boston, which I, I drove to. Another one is in Phoenix. Another one is in San Diego. So, I mean, it would be a lot easier if they were in the same place all the time, and they right. didn't keep moving to more and more expensive places to stay and go. <laughs> well, if they ever but, have uh, one in Boston, Boston again, Boston. I'm only like 45 minutes north of Boston. Yeah. Yeah. This side, the one I went to was, uh, four or five years ago now. So it was before I knew you. Um, but I would have came and saw you. Oh, thanks for, (laughs) thanks for coming for me. Uh, all right. So one more time, give people, uh, all your, your bona fides, your social media, all that stuff. Where can they find you? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Lee underscore Horton, uh, on Twitter at Lee Horton 33, on uh, Facebook, I believe, at facebook.com slash Lee with three E's Horton, because Lee with two E's Horton was taken, which I'm not happy about. Uh, and then, as always, uh, on the World Wide Web at legacytattoo.ca. You're such a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for talking to me, Lee. And I, I actually recorded this one, so it'll make it to the internet probably next week. Sweet. That's awesome. It's nice to be recorded finally. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is fun. We should do this again sometime. All right, cool, man. Cool. Think about some more laser questions you want to ask me, and I'll do a whole one just on laser, and we don't even have to talk about piercing. I don't even know enough about lasers to ask more questions than that. It's like <laughs> you, you got you to gotta put on the, the sunglasses, and that's it. That's like the extent of it, and then it hurts really bad. Yeah. That's all, that's all I know. Yeah, sunglasses in pain. That's basically our entire production model. That's what you should call your shop. Sunglasses and pain. (laughs) 
some glasses and paint. Yeah. Uh, that's a good idea for yeah. sure. I mean, you could always get me. You could always get me and Misty on together, and we can just go back and forth talking about tattoo removal as well. You know what? That's a good idea. Although this is the Piercing Wizard podcast, not the Laser Tattoo Removal podcast. But Listen, whatever. people want to know. The all people right. want to know. Fine. I'm not uh, sure if they do. No, they, they don't. They don't at all. All right, <laughs> uh, you're going to be at conference this year, right? Totally. Cool. I will see you there. You will. All right. All right, thanks for talking to me, Lee. It's always nice to learn a little bit about an industry I don't really understand very well. Um, I, I know tattoo removal from the client side of it, so you know all I know is that uh, it feels like getting a rubber band snapped on your skin over and over and over again, and it's not fun at all. But uh, you know, you get results. You go to the right person; they're going to make it pretty easy for you. Uh, don't forget, if you want to check out some info on my classes, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com/seminars. I've got all the info about where and when and how much and how to register and, and everything on there so go ahead and check that out i'm getting ready to head out to texas for that board meeting i'm going to try to get a couple more interviews lined up for you and keep this show going so come on back next week thanks for sticking around for more information about the show visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercing wizard podcast on facebook for more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.